Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Athletes Rising. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly Gray. Um, we had the pleasure on this week to talk with Mark Hogan out. Mark is a former D1 college soccer player at University of Washington. Uh, while he was there, they were ranked number one in the country. Um, he then went on to play for the Seattle Sounders and now works in youth soccer as a youth coach um, at a club here in Northern California. Uh, he has worked with players from all ages, players of all abilities. And this conversation, we kind of go all over the place a little bit. We talk a lot about the overall youth soccer landscape, um, our thoughts sometimes on working with various parents, some of the parental types that we come across, uh, a lot of positives and negatives of the business of it. Um, and we talk a lot about, as we always do in these podcasts, the various challenges that, that Mark had in his own development um, that as a result of some challenges and some difficulties actually helped him to become a much stronger person and a much stronger player uh, and led to a lot more success than he would have had had he not had that kind of challenge. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Mark Oganow. This episode is brought to you by Cinch. Cinch is an API-driven sports management platform designed to simplify and streamline the management of sports. Go ahead and go to cinchhq.com, C-I-N-C-H-H-Q.com, and give it a try today. It's free to sign up. You can sign in, create your profile, add your players to your profile, manage your entire sporting life all in one place from your mobile phone. For organizations, you can go on, create programs, open registration, collect your money, manage your communication, everything all in one place. Again, go to cinchhq.com and sign up today. All right. Uh, hey, everybody. Kelly Gray here. Pleased to be joined by Mr. Mark Hogan out. What's up, buddy? Hey, Kelly. Thank you for um, having me join your podcast. Looking forward to speaking with you. <laughs> it's been a while since we've done one of these and we're trying to get back on the wagon of uh, recording more because these are messages that I think people need to hear a lot. Um, and so, um, yeah, Mark, let's just let's just dive into it. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll basically, I'll give you a quick little synopsis. I mean, um, highly decorated youth soccer player in your time out of the Pacific Northwest, ended at uh, University of Washington incredible killer program number one in the country right now um and now working in youth soccer coaching been coaching for years and uh passing on all that knowledge and and all that to the next generation of players so um obviously this podcast is all about uh how failure has kind of helped us get to where we are or the lessons that we've learned through the failures that we've come through in our life so um why don't we why don't we just start with um, as a as a youth player, talk a little bit about your youth career and um, you know where it was, how you kind of fell in love with the game, um, you know, and and when you kind of figured out that this is what you wanted to do. Yeah, um, you know, growing up in Washington State and the cold, rainy weather every day, it was already a, a challenging motivational part that I had to deal with every day <laughs> but um you know um I uh played many sports growing up and uh, I feel like I was equally good at you know probably basketball and baseball um, soccer were the three sports that I mainly played and um it wasn't really until later I think um when I was like in seventh and eighth grade when I really started to take notice that I may be good at something <laughs> uh, like really good yeah um so I feel like I'm a late bloomer <clears throat> I definitely had to deal with some challenges just gr growing up you know I feel like my my family upbringing brought a lot of challenges um so I think sports was an incredible outlet for me that I 
gravitated towards and um, knowing that my teammates and my coaches were um, a, a, a stable area for me to kind of um, get around. Sure. Um, so, um, but yeah, I think this, the, the soccer part of things, it, it started to really pick up when, um, yeah, like later in my grade school years and um, things kind of took off from there. So, you you mentioned that you see you played multiple sports. Um, I know right now, you know, in this culture of youth sports, there's kind of a lot of push to specialize early. Like, what are your what are your thoughts on on that? What are your thoughts on m- multiple multiple sport athletes at you know certain ages? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's crazy because uh, you know, I'm a coach and I've I followed my passion with the game of soccer and I, of course, want to give so much to what I have learned in the game to all the kids that are growing up playing now and there's just just this overall feeling of these parents and kids that feel like they have to specialize in you know soccer whatever sport they're choosing at the youngest ages of first grade or second (laughs) grade yeah and again I was a late bloomer and I think you were too Kelly in a way right so I I I think I started playing only soccer when I was either 12 or 13, but I played everything else up to that point. Yeah, it, I for me it was baseball actually that I had to choose. When I was a freshman in high school, yeah. I had the coaches saying, okay Mark, you now have to choose one of the two sports. Because the same season, right? Uh, in high school? Same season in yeah, high school, yeah. um, and... And I and I started to make like the Olympic development program teams mm-hmm. and kind of excelling a little bit more in soccer. But I, there was something about baseball too. I was like, man, I could probably do well in baseball and make yeah. it somewhere, you know? And yeah. College, um, play college somewhere for baseball. Um, but yeah, I definitely had to make that choice. Um, and uh, soccer was the sport. But you know, for the kids that are growing up, you know, at the younger ages of you know early grade school think it's so important to be open-minded and just to learn to enjoy what they're doing to, to not feel the pressures of that they have to specialize into the one sport yeah. um, I think it makes a more well-rounded person and athlete if they can um, enjoy you know playing these other sports they, they build so much more for their their men- mental part of the game their physical and, and, and technical part of the game if they can um, enjoy doing other things. So was it about that time that you think that you really like fell in love with the game of soccer? And, and what, what do you think it was um, that, that did that for you? Was it, you know, was it a specific coach or was it uh, you had a group of friends that did it? Um, so I guess just speak a little bit about like how how soccer came to be your sport. Yeah, I think coaches had a big part to do with that, which I, I truly appreciate. Um, it's the moments that I think when a coach pulls you aside and says, you know, you got something special. Um, though, you know, just the uplifting, you know, words from coaches that would really um, help me um, excel and want to work a little bit harder in the game to see where where it would take me Mm -hmm. and I think once I started to work outside of practices on my own that I knew I had to work harder than someone else that was out there that I started to really grasp that idea Um, but again I was still playing other sports you know all the way up until my freshman year of high school and I always tried my hardest at all the sports and um yeah, I, I think it's really helped me out um, to where I was able to um, learn the, the competitiveness in the game at the, later, the, at the later ages of grade school. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, a, that's an interesting topic, like the competitiveness, right? Because, you know, in the, in the landscape of competitive soccer where, where we are in California, um, I feel like there's this huge push right now on um, everybody's got to be the best all the time. And it doesn't matter if you're U8s 
or if you're U18s, but if you're the worst at U8s, it's like looked at as the worst thing in the world. And uh, and I think that you kind of hit it there is that what you want to teach is competitiveness, not necessarily winning, but competitiveness, right? The idea that you have to work hard or outwork somebody that you're playing against in order to achieve uh, a goal. And it takes time. You know, I think that's definitely something that we that we haven't uh, or that we we as uh, soccer clubs in Northern California have we've missed a little bit. And I like to think that it's starting to come back to that as we see more qualified people get into these leadership roles and in clubs and, and starting to turn it back to you know focus on that on that side of things. But um, let's talk about a little bit about um, your youth career and and um, are there were there any moments where where you questioned. Uh, was this it because it because maybe you you were struggling at something or maybe you didn't uh, and maybe you got cut from your middle middle school team or something like that is there anything that stands out in your early youth career that uh that maybe played an impact yeah I I think um I think it was every day for me um I always felt like I was actually kind of the average Joe player on, on the team I I really my mentality was I just wanted to be a team player. Mm-hmm. Um, I never felt that I was superseding um, any of my teammates. I just didn't have that sort of mindset or maturity um, for myself. Um, so I just continuously worked hard. I enjoyed being a teammate. Um, and uh, I think I was challenged all the way growing up until you know eighth grade or so just by the fact that I'd never felt like I was all that good. Yeah. So sure. I, I feel some of it is luck, but you know, I think, uh, through hard work that you create that luck and, uh, and things started to really excel for me when I started getting chosen for, you know, certain teams like the, the Olympic OVP development, team, pro- yeah. Yeah, pro- Olympic development program and, regional team and then uh-huh. somehow I made the national team and I was like oh I, I'm doing something good here yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what at what age was it that you started to realize that uh that that you wanted to be putting time into your training outside of the soccer field like outside of your your formalized practice sure it's funny because it, it seems like that it's happening for first through third grade already where they're getting this extra training um, that where parents are paying, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars to have their first or second grader to get all this extra training. For me, um, I, I started to take that um, extra training when I was probably in, in sixth or seventh grade. It's when I yeah. moved from Seattle to Vancouver, Washington. Um, and I, I do remember myself actually going out with a ball to a park or juggling sure. a ball underneath a street light um, in the pouring down rain um, by myself. And it wasn't really until later. Um, so, you know, for, for the kids that are out there, it's like, yeah, work hard. Um, yeah, go ahead and specialize in, in those early, early grade levels. But, you know anything could happen I mean as you as you get older and you work hard on something you know everyone blossoms at different ages and I think it's important to to kind of keep that mindset to keep the competitiveness competitive competitiveness in you and to make sure that you love what you're doing yeah so I think that's a good a good kind of thing to talk about here is um, you know you mentioned kids doing private training at first grade, second grade, you know, what, whatever grade it might end up being. Um, you know, I know in my own experience, I did private training when I asked for private training. And my parents said, okay, like, I'll look into that. And I feel like there's been a trend nowadays of it's parents that are pushing the kids. It's not the kids that are pushing the parents. And, um, and so, um, I mean, I kind of think your story is very similar in mine where it was like sixth seventh eighth grade even is when I was doing those kinds of things because I can't even remember what I was doing at first and second grade I certainly wasn't even playing competitive soccer I think I maybe maybe at fourth grade I think I started playing competitive soccer I was nine years old I think so um 
yeah, I mean, it's it's a, uh, an interesting trend that we've seen over time. But I, I again, I'm gonna stick with. I like to see that that there's coaches now that have come up through soccer in this country and are realizing and bringing it back to, whoa, 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 why are we doing this? It's not for the parents' ego. It's for the kids. And if the kid is asking for it, then great. Yeah, I'll do anything for that. But sometimes these private trainings at early ages are uh, a little a little bit crazy. Yeah, I, I, I uh, myself, I, I never, I never had any private training. Um, yeah. All the way up until eighth grade. Again, I mean, I didn't know what a private training was. Yeah. Um, so which kind of, which kind of says, I think, you know, looking at you and I, Kelly, like, um, you know, and being great players as we were, um, um, to play at the highest levels of the game growing up, we didn't really need that sort of, um, outlet. We, I think we both had a competitive mindset. We knew that we had to work hard, um, but I, I think it's important for the kids these ages to um, not get burned out. And, and I, I have a feeling that, you know, that these, the kids that are doing these private trainings are being pushed from their parents. And this is somewhat of an issue, I think, that we're going to have to really pay attention to. Yeah. And yes, I think um, it, the awareness from, from us as coaches giving back to the game I think these kids are lucky to have players that have played at high levels that are now giving back to the game now in these days that it's going to really help them guide to help guide these kids into, um, you know, the, the right situations where yeah. they're not getting burned out in the game. Yeah. The right, the right pathway to, to figure out what it is they actually want. Right. Yeah. I mean, I heard somebody say recently, you know, when we grew up playing, it was, uh, kids play for kids and now it's parents playing against parents through their kids and I, I it's obviously stuck with me and it was uh, it was a crazy one and, and, and I do totally believe that that's true and not in all certainly not in all cases but uh, you know I've seen it a lot and that that is a scary kind of trend to go down so I'm going to transition this to, let's talk about, um, you know, basically eighth grade on here. So, uh, at what point did you realize, like, did you have a clarifying moment of like, wait a minute, I'm kind of better than everybody. (laughs) And did that moment, did that moment occur? Yeah. Um, you know, freshman year of high school and when I went to high school in Portland, uh, living in Vancouver, Washington, um, you know, I made the varsity high school team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I was only freshman. So I'm like, okay, there's probably a reason why that um, I'm, I made this team. Um, and so that was this one moment that I was a boost of confidence for me. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, uh, made, made the district team for ODP. And mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna go try out and try to make the pool for the state team. Oh, I made the pool team. Yeah. Um, great. I'm glad to be here. Um, oh, now we're gonna choose the top eight team to to represent Washington State. Yeah. Oh, I made that. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I'm putting. Now I'm gonna go play against, you know, Northern California, yeah, Southern all California, states. all the all the other states in the region, um, and you know, it just the ladder system kind of took care of itself from there I you know just progressed I think and was continuously being coached by really awesome coaches just from not just in Washington State but through the regional team and mm-hmm. um, Mitch Murray you know was yeah, my regional yeah. team coach and he was also my national team coach yeah. um, Dean Wurzberger and Dave Chesler, you yeah. know, just some good names out there. Legends in U.S. soccer. Totally. Yeah. So, um, you know, just taking things from those um, those coaches were a huge influence, I think, for me to continue to grow and to continue to love what I was doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, just continuously making, you know, the ODP teams and getting seen at the regional um, camp and, you know, the 
the assistant coach for the national team at the time was um, a guy named Billy McNichol. Um, mm-hmm. And he came over to me after one of my regional team games and said, Mark, you have an amazing left foot. You uh, see the game well, and we'd like to invite you to the to the um, national team program. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and, and at the time I was like, you know, I, I feel like I'm good, but I, I don't feel like I'm like superior to the rest of the players around me. I feel yeah. like there's better players around me, but yeah. you know, I had, I had to, I had to take that, um, I had to take <laughs> that moment as like, this is, this is real. And yeah. And I, I took that step forward. So talk a little bit about your experience with the national team and kind of what that, what that meant to you at that time? Well, yeah, I first had to make the national pool, and I did that, and went to Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista. And oh then, yeah, and then I, you know, and then the coaches Mitch Murray and Billy McNichol said to the whole pool, said we're going to choose the eight eighteen that will travel to Italy with us, and there'll be a few trips for this year, um, France and also Minnesota. Um, and I went home and got a call a few days later, and they said, "Okay, what are your, we're gonna send you a plane ticket to to get to Italy, and um, and uh, you'll be representing the United States. We'll send you, you know, all the, the like the gear, the all well, the, I remember those all the gear bags. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, gear bags were good. So um, I dreamed about those. But man, it was really when I played in the game, first time ever. And then you're playing against a team from Holland. Yep. And the national anthem comes on for United States. And you're wearing that crest. Yeah, and you're and you're standing out in the middle of the field, yeah. and you know you're just playing somewhere international. You're not you're not playing on your home field in Vancouver, Washington, or Olympia. Yeah. Um, you are playing with the top eighteen players in the United States at yep. the time, yep. and uh, when that national anthems being played um it, it brings the the biggest emotion out of you and yeah you want to go out there and you want to do anything it takes to be the best teammate for the united states as yeah. you can yeah to yeah. represent i mean i remember there's one that stands out in my mind too is uh we were in switzerland with the u20s i think and we were playing against Barcelona B, and it was in this field that was surrounded by the Swiss Alps. It was like, you look up, and all surrounding you is like, you know, 10,000 foot peaks. And it all dropped down into this perfect pitch right in the middle of uh, this little small town in Switzerland. Beautiful. And I remember at that moment, my club team was playing in the state cup semifinals uh back here <laughs> wow and i was representing my country playing against barcelona's b team uh. in switzerland and thinking to myself man this is crazy like i had dreamed about this for my whole life yeah and just that that gravity like you said of the national anthem and you you're pulling on that jersey and you kind of see yourself and uh yeah certainly a a um a moment that stands out in 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 my life and obviously the same for you. So, so I mean the the national team experience I know for myself was one that was uh, a culmination of years and years and years and years and years of work. Right. And, um, you know, I've, I've talked uh, in a prior episode about kind of my path and how I got to, to where I was. Um, and I was a little bit different than you in the sense that like, I didn't make, the state team and I didn't make the regional team until much later on in my in my life um and so I I felt as though those those failures if you want to call them that helped kind of drive my uh desire and drive my effort towards wanting to achieve that so now you're there you've reached the national team uh you're representing your country playing in Italy of all countries like mecca of world soccer um, like, let's talk about where it went from there. Yeah, so that was uh, when I was 17. Um, so, you know, being a, a junior in high school, um, you know, going back home to Olympia and all of a sudden there's newspaper, you know, articles and yeah. um, interviews and uh, I was feeling really pumped up about the game and uh, 
you know, from there, you know, going to different tournaments with my club team and all of a sudden there's um, coaches that have uh, badges on their jackets and it, and it <laughs> says, you know, um, for different colleges, uh, you know, U- University of Washington or mm-hmm. um, Wake Forest, uh, just, you know, great colleges around the nation just there to watch you. So then then I was like, okay, wow, th- I think I'm really getting some uh, um, some awareness for possible collegiate playing Mm -hmm. and um that's when I really started to notice that I I wanted to play college soccer and I wanted to have an education yeah um I wasn't you know honestly the most studious person in high school but I I definitely had good grades and I I knew that I wanted to go to college to get educated yeah but I I really didn't know that soccer was going to have a huge impact into me playing for division one college. Yeah. Um, and having one of the best experiences, best experiences in my life, um, growing up. And that's what it was, um, because of my passion in the game. And for me to be able to take it to some of the highest levels of playing, um, it helped create a pathway for me to get a scholarship to to join one of the highest profile teams in the nation yeah. you know being ranked number one in the nation at University of Washington with and I know they're ranked number one now but I don't think they've been ranked number one since yeah, I it's left been, it's been a long time yeah and uh, yeah. so I, I think it's uh, that that that's um, a pretty big deal um, winning the th- three years in a row the Pac-10 championships it was called yeah. MPSF for Mountain Pacific Sports Federation for the yeah. first uh, two years that we won it, and then it was the Pac-10. Yeah. Um, but now it's Pac-12. Yep. Um, but man, to be a part of that um, team, organization, coaching, support, education, at um, at, at a big time university, um, I I can't thank the the coaches that I've had, the people around me the friends that I've built. Yeah. Um, just where I'm at now with being able to coach and give back to players and to hopefully give them that opportunity, no matter if I'm coaching six year olds or high school or collegiate, that they can have that opportunity to to have that similar kind of feeling um yeah. and education. It it, it it's a it's a memory and and something that no one will ever forget yeah yeah well let's let's dive in a little bit to your time at washington you know um coming in as a freshman and uh, you know a a highly touted one national team player uh, you know i know that's that's something that uh if you're a recruiting class uh full of national team players that's always going to bode well for the program and as a as a player that was not a national team player coming in with a class of all national team players, it was certainly intimidating to me. Um, let's talk a little bit about just kind of that transition from, we'll say high school and club ball to D one college ball. Was there was there something about like your freshman year that um, maybe presented some some challenge to you? Um, yes, definitely. Um, you know, I, I, I got to take note that, um, you know, the first day that I came into UW, um, I came in wearing my national team gear. Of course. And this is something that my, my buddies <laughs> joke with me today is like, Hoagie, you came in with your U.S. shorts and shirt and everything. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're like, we're going to tear you apart. Like, <laughs> I, I, I have a similar one with apparently, and I don't, I honestly don't remember doing this, but I was talking to, uh, I don't remember if it was. Eric Denton or Adam Ayer, there was a couple of guys from Santa Clara. Apparently, I went on my Santa Clara recruiting trip wearing my University of Portland sweatshirt. Oh, wow. And Because uh, <laughs> I had just gone on a recruiting trip there. And uh, yeah, it was a similar thing where these guys were like, oh, man. Yeah. it's a, We're going to make it a, a, a priority to, to turn this guy. Yeah. So but, I, I got okay. dealt with pretty good. I, I had to go through the freshman initiation uh, first out of all the freshmen, probably because of that. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, they, they, they all took me in, um, with open arms and, uh, of course being the freshman, you have to, um, present yourself well and, and, and be ready to go. 
Um, but I was met with some challenges for sure as a freshman. Um, I did, um, I, I, I was starting uh, some of the games at the very beginning of the season. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure with this team we had eight seniors. Oh, man. Um, Joey Francino. Oh, yeah. Jason Boys. Um, Tim Tim Lawson, um, you know Chad McCarty, Craig Weibel, jeez, legends, um, all legends, legends in our country for sure. Jeez. Um, so just a, a stacked team, and uh, I felt bad that I was like starting in some of the games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so the challenge, the challenge that I dealt with was this: is okay. So I started some of those games, and there was a game that I made quite a few mistakes it just was an off day yeah like sure. we, all of us we players all have, have. Off days, yeah. and uh i didn't see the field until probably beginning of my junior year oh really from that point uh yeah bits and pieces here and there so man mentally it was challenging yeah. um i would still fight every single practice to get back into getting more playing time but uh, you know, as you know, at Division One College or any college team, that you're you're dealing with uh, things that you're doing every day and how that's going to affect what you're doing on the field. Um, so yeah, I was challenged for a year or so on trying to get back and build my confidence. But luckily, I was able to. And starting with my junior year, um, I, I played. Much more, much more. And yeah. senior year started every game. So, but yeah, there was a stint where um, I was quite down. And uh, I had to find a way to to keep my mindset and to con- continue to work hard. And and that's what it took. It just took me grinding it out and to keep that competitiveness and to keep the love in the game. Um, but I definitely had to grind it out for a full year. What What was your support system like at that point? You know, did you have teammates that you were open with and that were encouraging to you in this, or, or was it um, was it friends outside of soccer? Was it family members? Yeah, it was pretty much all of the above. Wow. Um, I had to take bits and pieces from everyone around me. Um, you know, my my club coach James Charette is someone I talk to almost daily. Yeah. Um, he he definitely was an important piece to my development in the game, starting with my sophomore year of high school. Um, so to have him, that was kind of outside of the program, to be able to speak to him about anything that I wanted to, um, it really helped me out. Um, but yeah, just the, the teammates, um, the other athletes in the in in the school. Yeah. Just okay. to just to talk to them about challenges and what what it takes when you're kind of down yeah um was was crucial and it, it was a very very challenging time for me uh, as a, a soccer player what was there like was there like a moment or something where uh you kind of knew that it had turned around was it as simple as the coach saying hey like you're you're doing well you put it in the work i'm gonna start you this weekend it, it was exactly that. I, I think there was a moment where um, I think I had a good two weeks where I was just doing everything really well. Yeah. And it was really needed. And I I felt so much better. Like there, there was just a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. Um, mm-hmm. I remember in that time. And Was uh, it because you were playing well? Or was it because you knew that you were going to start? It was just, or was it like this... Just kind of internal thing of like you're going out to the field and you just, you're doing it for you and you're feeling good about how you're playing. Yeah, it was two weeks of practices where I felt like that I no one could no one could stop me. Yeah, yeah. everything was everything was working. I'm known for my passing ability, so yeah. you know, just my passes were just precision. Um, my movement off the ball was just right. I mean, things were just hitting, hitting the mark uh, for those two weeks and. And then, yeah, I was put on the starting lineup for, you know, one of the games. And, and I continued to start from there and get more playing time. And uh, it, it just was a, a timing thing, I think, you know. It just yeah. took time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting kind of topic, right? Because I've certainly had that same thing in my career. And um, most athletes, I think, kind of go through that, right? Is you go through this tough time of 
whatever it may be, and you kind of fall out of form. And then it's that constant struggle of are you going to find your form again? Or do you have what it takes to keep pushing to be able to find that form again? And when you ultimately um, find the form, it's not for anybody else, it's for you. And that's what kind of drives the form. And at that point, then everybody else kind of recognizes. And so, you know, how I would kind of translate that to today and, you know, the youth in soccer or youth sports even is it brings it back to that whole, you have to be doing it for you, right? Kids need to be doing it for themselves. And, and when, once they stop playing for uh, their coach or for their mom or their dad or their cousin or whoever it might be, once they start playing for themselves, that's when you see, I think, these you know, exponential growth numbers in their development, right? You see them be able to make that huge jump right off the bat and then and it's uh and it's something that i think a lot of people don't quite understand right is like you have to you have to like support and drive that player to do what's right for them and what what i think a lot of things is difficult in today's youth culture is you know i want my kids to be soccer players more than anything in the world because that's my sport and that's my wife's sport uh but i have no idea what their sport is going to be and I want them to be able to explore this path of youth activities, I'll say. And I think when they find that and when they start doing it for themselves and not for me and, or my wife, that that's when we're going to see this crazy kind of flourishment of development. And I get really excited for that. And so I find it really interesting for you to say that, like, yeah, that, you know, that occurred. It happened for you while playing for a Division One college soccer team and one of the best in the country that at that point and that's kind of encouraging to me it's like you know people think that like I, I I've seen it now at with six-year-olds and I obviously think that's totally wrong and then you see parents that are like oh, no, no, no. We're, we're switching sports now this obviously isn't your sport it's like wait a minute we don't quite know um, but to see that at in that college game uh, and then to to have traveled that path of I start a bunch my freshman year I go through a really rough patch and it's not until my junior year that I kind of find the game again for me and um, and then start to find the success again. So let's talk a little bit about that is like from from junior year on and then let's talk about what when was the decision to stop? When was the decision that soccer was done? Sure. Yeah. So junior year, I mean, things were, were pretty good overall. We had a very strong program and strong team. Um, so, yeah, we uh, we won the, the MPSF the junior year and then going into senior year, um, I felt like I was a true leader of the team. Yeah. Um, there was four of us that were uh, seniors. Uh, and so we we all, you know, took the team and felt like we were, you know, true leaders of the team and yeah. And had another successful season. So, yeah, we became Pac-10 champions for that year as well. And, you know, we didn't do well in the NCAA playoffs. We always got beat to Indiana or, you know. Yeah, I had to play against one of the other top programs. Yeah, there. it's always tough when you get to that point in time. But uh, what, 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 what year was that? Because, yeah, that was. Uh, you, may you, have, you may have beat us at Portland. 2000, 2001. Okay. Yes. 2000, 2001. 2001, we beat you guys at your place, I think, 1-0. Then we went yeah. out to lose to Stanford, who went to the Final Four. Right. And then I remember 99, losing to you guys, I think, 2-1 at our place. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We always had some good battles. Always. Always. Oh. Yes, of course. Favorite games. And your field is also one of my favorite places to play of all time. Yours too. Merlo. Merlo. <laughs> Oh, Merlo. Special, very special. I remember taking uh, pieces of grass and putting in a plastic bag yep. um, after going to one of the uh, camps for <laughs> Clive it. in the summer yep. uh, when I was in Vancouver, Washington, and keeping that. So, oh, pretty special yeah. place, that for is, sure. That is amazing. Yeah. So, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, got drafted um, out of college uh, to play for the A-League mm-hmm. Sounders team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then, yeah, there was challenges there as well, you know, playing with a lot of veteran professionals. Um, you know, it, it was tough to survive is what um, I noticed for myself that, you know, not being a protege kind of player, um, the money was very sparse um, yeah. compared to what uh, a player coming out of college and getting drafted and getting uh, a contract in the MLS now where they get a, a little bit of a, a better base minimum um, yeah. coming into the pro league and they can find a way to survive and, and play the game. So, you know, when we got into the professional ranks, it was you had to be able to, at least for when I was playing on the Sounders, is that the only way that I'd get paid is if I played in three-fourths of a game and it would be a very minimal amount. Yeah. And so I wasn't really taking anything home at all. Yeah. Um, so, you know, then I, through time, I had to figure out um, what I wanted to do and didn't really have the best outlets on whether if I should go to Europe. There wasn't the best support system on yeah. where I should go, what I should do. Um, it's one thing I definitely regret. Um, but, you know, in life, those things happen and you just kind of got to continue to move forward and found my way down to California from Washington state to start a new lifestyle. And here I am good friends with you and <laughs> yeah, here we are hanging out, but, um, no, it's been a good ride. So just to talk about kind of what the sounders were at that time, cause obviously, uh, here we are recording a couple of days before they're about to play in the MLS championship, uh, against Toronto yeah, at that time, the Sounders were, it was like second division behind MLS, correct? It was like, I think what would be considered like USL 1. I think it was, it was called the A-League, right? It was called A-League at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and I, I, I mean, I remember those days really well because um, in college I would watch Timbers games that they played in the A-League. And, um, and so, yeah, that, I mean, I knew even at that time the MLS money wasn't great. Um, and I knew the A-League money wasn't quite as good as the MLS money. Um, but like, so, so at that time you decided to say, all right, let's see what else there is in life. Like this game has brought me this far. Let's see what else there is in life. And I know at that point you, you came down to California, uh, you dabbled a bit in, uh, commercial real estate. Correct. If I'm, if I'm right. Let's, mm -hmm. uh, and then at the downtime. At the downtime, of course. Yeah. Met some other challenges there, but yeah, you know, well, no, very like, good experience to be able to do something like that. Let's so so you came, you worked in in uh, commercial real estate a little bit, and then um, from that point, it was follow your passion again. Correct. Yeah. So I, I um, also worked at a high school. So I, when I first moved on to Santa Cruz, I was coaching, working at a high school, trying to figure out figure out if I wanted to do the teaching thing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, was asked to work in commercial real estate, so I gave that a try. Um, and it was a very challenging time, and uh, and so I um, went back to my passion of uh, coaching soccer, and um, and it, it, just for me to give back to the youth is is what my true passion is. Um, I'm very fortunate to be able to do something like that and to work with. Um, you know, the players that are the up and coming um, and just to create the best experience that they can get into where they want to become the best players that they want to be. So let's, let's talk about that now is you've, you've worked for, we're, here we are in Northern California, you've worked for a bunch of different clubs in the area. You've kind of seen a different, a whole bunch of, of different things uh, you have kids of your own that play uh, competitive soccer and do uh, competitive activities. Um, what is what is it that's your hope for them when it comes to to their path? Like, do you want them to have a similar one to you? Do you want them to have a, you know, uh, I know in soccer we always talk, or, or there's a lot of talk about the pathway. Um, is that something that you want for them or would you want something a little bit more similar to you? 
Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think for both my kids, they are involved with many different things and kind of similar to me growing up. Um, my dad never, never pushed me to, to be the best in one thing. Yeah. He didn't tell me that I had to go do a private training or to get this extra training in. He just wanted to make sure that, you know, I was active and just doing something outside of school. Yeah. Um, that's why I played multiple multi-sports and I think I want the similar path for my own kids it's not something where I ever want to tell them what they have to be doing at this present time or that they have to go to this private training Um, I don't want to put any pressures on my own kids and I think that they are very happy they're happy kids they're they're enjoying what they're doing um and as long as I see that in my own kids, yeah, then it brings content to me, yeah. um, and that's what's most important in life. I think is uh, just making sure that my kids are prospering in anything that they're doing. And right now they're doing theater, and right now they're doing soccer, and we just added gymnastics for yeah. one day of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, we're going to throw my son Frankie in the baseball for double A in the spring. Yeah. He doesn't do that year round, but he's going to do one season of it. Sure. So, you know, we're just kind of planting seeds and, um, and we're just going to, we're just going to foster it. And my wife and I, uh, I think we have the same kind of feeling that we're not going to push them into what they, what we feel like they, they have to be doing at all times. It's, we want to get a feel for what they are enjoying and what they're doing, and we want to. We just want to make sure that they're they're uh, passionate in what they're doing. Do you, regardless of like what ends up being their path, their sport, their passion, whatever it might be? Um, this is kind of a hard question, but like, do you hope that they come across adversity, so in an effort to help them? learn that lesson of like guess what life is full of adversity and you have to persevere most definitely I I, I don't I feel like you know that's what makes someone grow you got become stronger is when they have to deal with the hardships in whatever subject matter that they're dealing with yeah um and it's great for for my wife and I to to not hover over them, but to see if they can come out with the best outcome. Yeah. Uh, and to know that they are confident in in what their answer to any hardship that they get. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know that we both we both want our kids to be independent and to be confident in in their decision making and and how they react to adversity and in different challenging situations. I love that. I mean, that's I, I feel the exact same about about my kids. Um, so let's um let's let's take this kind of a different direction into the world of coaching, and just talk about how um, you know you you coach young age groups. You've coached a little bit of everything from I think your youngest team right now is a 2012 team uh, and and you've coached I mean you've coached college so um, let's let's talk a little bit about kind of this whole idea of um, adversity and challenge and as a coach from that perspective now turning the tables onto players and how do you do that in, in a, or is there a thought process behind that when it comes to trying to teach players lessons or trying to get the best out of players? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's an everyday thing that I, I, that I actually love. That's the one thing about drives me to get to training and to, um, kind of become the psychologist. Yeah. 
uh, in a way <laughs> a where way yeah. you show up to training and you know you got you know these ten girls that I coach on one team that are 2012s and they're coming from all different aspects in, yeah. in the day and uh, to put them together and to get them to compete in training and to stay focused and to just really embrace the moments that they're together with their team. Um, it's important for me as a coach to uh, kind of build the parameters to where they can exploit themselves to the best of their ability. Yeah. And I find that as a huge challenge to me as a person and as a coach, facilitator, um, role model to the kids and players that I work with. And that's why I, I love doing what I do. Yeah. Um, and to give back to this game that has brought me so much, um, it's a huge passion of mine to make sure that these kids are embraced and enjoying playing on the team that they're playing on. Do you run into a challenge with parents or is it, is it pretty mellow? And if you do, um, what is your response to parents uh, if they come at you for I don't know, one reason or another? Yeah, you know, I, I think the, <laughs> it's important for me. I've learned through my experience in being a coach to really set the tone at the beginning of the season. Sure. Um, and to make sure that I'm face-to-face with um, the parents of these the players that I'm working with and to just to make sure that they know that I am a person yeah and that I care and a parent and that and, and that's lucky that I do have experience playing yeah. in the game at a, a pretty high level so that's a, I'm very lucky to have that part in me mm-hmm. so but you know I think just making sure that each parent trusts my decisions and trusts me with my feedback, my rules for the team, whatever it is, that they that they really can just sit back and to know that I'm doing what's best for their kids. Yeah, you have their child, the, right intention. the child's best interest in mind at all times from a position of knowledge. That's that's something that I think a lot of parents don't understand these days is uh you're a professional at what you do, and uh, they are not. And you know what it takes to get to that level, and they don't. And there needs to be a trust, and there needs to be a buy-in, and there needs to be the support for you as the coach uh, because you see their kid differently than they do. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's hugely important. And, I mean, I'm sure that just like, just like myself, you've had that experience of, Kind of everything across the board when it comes to sports parents and um, yeah I, I, I just see it as you know we as coaches deal with um, the challenge and the desire of wanting to see these kids reach the potential that we see in them and a lot of times parents make that more difficult but uh, but a lot of times it goes the other way where parents are actually super supportive and uh, help in the growth of their kid when it comes to learning some of these lessons, especially the tough ones when they're, when they're struggling. Um, you know, and that's, that's a message that I'd like to see a lot more parents kind of really think about you know, is, um, am I doing what I can be doing as a parent to uh, step back and let the professionals do what they do and supporting them in my child's growth? Because, you know, I think in when we talk about team sports in general, obviously soccer being a huge team sport, our true goal as coaches is not necessarily to build the next professional soccer player, right? It's to provide these kids with the skills needed to be successful in life. You know, because even if they are a professional soccer player, well, if they don't know how to communicate with people, if they don't know how to work in a team environment, if they don't know how to do whatever other skills we learn through team sports it almost doesn't matter and um, 
and and I think parents kind of don't they struggle sometimes to understand that that is our true goal as coaches you know to build the whole player to build the kid that's going to be a great teammate that's going to you know jump on the grenade for their teammate because that's what true camaraderie and true teamwork is all about and um you know it's encouraging to me as a father of young children who all play this sport to uh you know to be able to have them be influenced by you by other coaches that understand that that message of you know it's not about me it's about the team it's about the badge it's not the name on the back of the shirt it's the crest on the front of the shirt you know those are some uh some very valuable lessons that i think uh, that I know that you teach, that I know that I teach, that I know that a lot of coaches around this country and this, on this, uh, in this world teach. And uh, the more we can kind of preach that to everybody, I think the better off everybody's going to end up being. So um, here we are almost an hour into this. Talk to me. Is there anything else you, you want to you say um, to our gigantic audience? Yeah, I, there is. Uh, well, one thing being that I, I know that um, you, Kelly Gray, amazing person, um, through history that we have been, been able to come back together as great friends through the game of soccer Yeah. to, to be in the similar area that we're living in and to work with youth is an incredible story in its own for me to grow up in Washington State and for us to battle against each other in college yeah. soccer and to to become great family friends like you're doing an amazing thing and Thanks, man. and and creating a culture in soccer in this community and uh, it has helped me um, become who I am in the area that I live in. And I, I can't thank you enough for um, the opportunities that you have given me. So well, I hey, appreciate that. My pleasure, dude. You made me look good. So <laughs> I, it make, gives me nothing but pleasure to see you be successful and to, to get to see uh, kids get to be influenced by you. Uh, because who else? in the world whatever I want them to be influenced by. So it's great, dude. Well, um, look, I want to I wanna thank you for, for being on this. You know, here we are, Athletes Rising. Uh, crazy, I think this is episode four now. Um, so early on, we've got a long way to go with this. This is kind of a fun project for all of us. Um, I'd love to end up having you on again here as we kind of go down this path and, uh, and maybe even have you interview some, some people. That'd be kind of a blast. Um, but... You know, I uh, I know your story is a unique one. It's an interesting one. I think people are going to benefit from this. And um, for all of you listening right now, please, um, you know, I think you can actually comment like through this platform. Let us let us know what you think. If you have questions for any of us, let us know. Um, you can already always reach myself. You can reach my co-host who uh, is unavailable tonight, uh, Dustin Aval. Um, you can reach us at Athletes Rising, Kelly at Athletes Rising dot com, and Dustin is at Athletes Rising dot com. Um, you can you can reach us and ask us questions. We want to hear uh, everything about you, uh, and any questions you may have, any any guests you might want us to talk to. Um, stay tuned for a Patreon page. Um, we'd love to have people contribute to. Uh, helping us do this and helping us make this quality better, helping us, uh, um, you know, su- support this message that we're trying to get across to people. So whether it be, you know, a dollar a month, five bucks a month, um, I'll throw out five thousand dollars a month. That'd be awesome. Thanks. Um, you know that that all goes to making this much more reality for us all moving forward. But Mark, I just want to thank you again. For coming on the podcast uh i know it's, it's bright and early in this here we are at uh, nine o'clock at night nine forty at night now um i am a i'm a nine fifteen bed kind of guy uh <laughs> so this is this is solid 
for me, but uh, I I'm a late nighter. So I didn't. I'm I didn't want to. I didn't want to miss this at all. So, um, look to all of you that that may listen. Hopefully, it's lots and lots of you. Uh, if anybody's going to go to the United Soccer Coaches Convention in January, come say hi to me. Send me a send me a text, email, message, something. You you could all find my contact somewhere somehow. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's probably the easiest way. I am Kelly Gray. Instagram, same thing. At I am Kelly Gray. Um, and uh, I look forward to hearing from people. Uh, I love the conversation. So bring it. Let's do it. Mark, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs>